it's the next level. Welcome to another chapter of Still Afraid of the Dark from the Next Level Podcast Network. I am one of your hosts, Rob Martin, from the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods, also from DC Primetime. Joining me, as always, Ben Beck. I put a spell on you, Rob Martin. I don't know what it is, but I put a spell on you. Okay, well, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> that's good. So, um, <laughs> I didn't really know of any other way to start. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's quite okay. So... Before we introduce our guests, so this chapter is actually a chapter we call A Tale of Witches and Woe. Uh, and joining us today, Ben, why don't you please do the honors? Uh, we are welcoming back uh, from previous episodes or previous chapters of the podcast, Cat McIntyre. Oh, hi. And also welcoming back our friend Jada. <laughs> so we're actually going to be talking about two different films today, one being the 1990 film The Witches starring Angelica Houston, and then uh, jump to 1993, Hocus Pocus, probably one of the most classic Halloween films that is just so beloved to today. Um, so before we get into that, though, we actually have three different drinks for this episode. Indeed. This is the only episode where we're actually making more than one cocktail. Um, so for this, we made um, one for each of the Sanderson sisters. So for Mary Sanderson, which Jada is imbibing on, is champagne, cranberry juice, uh, a little bit of, uh, I think it's... Uh, lime juice in that one. Sorry, I'm trying to remember because it's three recipes yes. in my brain now. <laughs> and then um, we have raspberry schnapps. So as for me, I'm drinking the Sarah Sanderson, which is, again, champagne. We also have uh, creme de violet in that as well. We have a little bit of lemonade and a little bit of lemon juice in that. And then, Ben, you're enjoying the... <laughs> a nice crunchy Winifred Sanderson. <laughs> so, And for you, you're actually having that with its... Champagne, it is sour apple schnapps, a little bit of apple cider, and lime juice in that as well. So I don't know if that crunch will translate, but we'll find out. No, there was a weight pattern on it. Oh, was there? Okay. People are going to hear that nice little. It was very audible. Okay. And delicious sounding. Oh, it was delicious. uh, But yeah, like I said, this is a really fun one. And again, we have all of these definitely garnished with the different fruits that are are kind of closest to a mix here, Um, uh, with the exception of mine. That's more just for color, I think, at this point. Yeah. Um, But it works well. Uh, So why don't we start off with The Witches? So, Ben, I'll kick it off to you. Sure. Uh, 1990, as we mentioned in a previous chapter in which we talked about uh, Labyrinth and Legend, Labyrinth being a Jim Henson production, The Witches also as well is a uh, Jim Henson production, which was something what seemed to be seemed to have been forgotten by a couple people uh, the last time we had we had this group together. Uh, but based off a book by Raul Dahl, 
did I pronounce that correctly? Roald. Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl, uh, who also was the author of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, this is... Technically Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. In the you book. are correct. I apologize. <laughs> Charlie Nerd. and the Chocolate Factory. I'm a huge book geek. Well, you're my, an author. You're an author. It works. Yeah. <laughs> this um, is, in fact, your wheelhouse. It's yes, true. absolutely. Yeah, yes. which is something I'm going to be... It's, it's going to be fun talking to Kat about, too, because I know you've read the book a number of times uh, where yes. I don't know if any of us... I've read it. Have you read the book? Yeah, before? I read it as a child. It's actually I loved Roald Dahl books as a child. Oh my so god! Yeah. Why don't we just Why don't we just kick it off with that, and we'll talk a little bit about the adaptation of the book to to the film itself, yeah. and how do you feel that the movie translated uh, so Kat, after seeing it? So, Kat, yeah, you're the perfect one to kick um, us off with this. So, I actually thought most of the film translated really well to the book. I was very happy. Like beat by beat, you got the creepiness of the witches. You got like that, like. The, the genuine terror factor and like I mean they brought all of the really like I, I distinctly remember reading as a kid the whole person trapped in the painting oh the thing. portrait was so creepy and wonderful so creepy yes. and so I loved seeing that in the movie I'm really glad that they like I thought they did an amazing job the only thing that actually didn't gel for me which is why I prefer the book is the ending because I like the bittersweet ending like he because in the he movie he stayed a mouse right in the uh, yeah, in the book yeah, he stayed book. a mouse. Yeah, and I thought that was more fitting, uh, given like you know. And then the movie, it just felt handed to him. It's like, oh, we found a way to turn you into a boy. But I always loved Roald Dahl because his books were darker, and they took it to that next level. So you know, the boy lived happily with his grandmother, but he remained a mouse. <laughs> well, I mean, it's interesting that you bring up the darker ending of the book, too, because even with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the ending of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is much, much darker than what the book Willy is, Wonka... A lot of his books cho- are much, much darker. <laughs> the book, yeah, the than book what Charlie so and the Chocolate Factory up. gave... Yeah. Uh, what Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory gave well, us, too. Well, because then it continues in um, Charlie and the Glass Elevator, I think, or is the something the books, Glass yeah. Elevator? Yeah, yeah in the, the books. Yeah, that's the second one. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that, their story continues. So this is a just similar to this Charlie... Is a one and done. Is, no. is a, is a, but is a darker story than what we get in the film adaptation. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, for the most part, like, what, about close to about 95% is pretty... It's pretty, spot, it's pretty spot, spot on from spot there. For spot. And yeah, it's, really it's just really the ending that gets that Hollywoodized ending. You know, yeah. it's everything ends. Just like. But without that Hollywood ending, though, we wouldn't get one of my favorite lines from the movie. What? Don't forget Bruno. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I've quoted it like four times before we even started recording. It's true, I mean, you do have. not know what it was. <laughs> yeah. Jada, how about you? Um, so I remember reading the book as a child, but I actually haven't read it recently i also remember watching the movie when it came out i remember watching it on a friend's house at vhs because i had read the book and i was like oh let me watch this so when i watched it again this past week i was astounded at how much i actually remembered from the book and um you know everything from like the uh Uh, Luke's grandmother like telling him and you know telling him all the stories and what to look out for and you know what these witches look like and you know oh they only wear sensible shoes and they're always scratching at their hairline and all these other different little idiosyncrasies and I really felt like that they got that spot on um the other thing that I really liked about this is that again we I think we discussed this in the last episode that we were all together and was we were talking about practical effects this is 1990 and you know when the the scenes where they have 
the boy turning into a mouse, it's not all CG in a whirlwind. It's you got actual effects from the camera and smoke and, you know, makeup and prosthetics and things happening before he then turns into a cute little puppet mouse. Yeah, and the puppet mouses are so they're cute. So oh my God, they're adorable. Oh my gosh, they're right, so puppet cute. Mice. Puppet, puppet mice. mice. <laughs> I, puppet mouses. And come to think Aww. of it, I don't think there are any CG effects no, there aren't. in this movie. I think everything is practical really, effect. I really like Is that. either practical effect or puppeteer work. And, well, and the prosthetics and everything. Yes. So, I mean, yeah. you talk about like, you're, you're also looking at Angelica Houston in her yeah. heyday and oh my God, you could not have picked a more perfect actress to play the head witch. Like, oh she, God, was really she was amazing. She was amazing. You know, and everything like, even when they were talking like, oh, you have to put your face back on because somebody else was coming into the room and she had to transform back into her beautiful self, which of course, my God, she's gorgeous. But, um, you know, when they have her in her witchiness and she's all like gnarled and, you know, bald and she's got the long nose and creepified, like those are, that's all prosthetics and all makeup. Yeah. It's slightly dated and you can tell it's kind of prosthetics and makeup, you know, looking at it as it, looking at it as an adult, but looking at it as a child, you're like, oh my God, this is creepy like those scenes would have given me total nightmares oh yeah it they was messed a little up more like well the practical effects always look a little more visceral mm-hmm. you know what i mean it gives you a more visceral reaction to like and i mean that was what i distinctly remembered with reading the book and even watching the movie like when like the witches all start removing their head like their their, their, wigs. their hair and their faces mm-hmm. and this that and the third and yep. like all that like the visceral imagery and they did like that the teeth yeah. the purple really eyes well. yep. all these things like what was it? The square feet? Square feet. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's something I'm still like, look out for anybody who's not wearing pretty shoes. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, do, do you know what's funny too is as I was doing some research into the movie as I was watching it this week, uh, I noticed that there is a 2020 reboot of the yes, film coming Anne, out. Anne Hathaway. And the funny thing, I didn't know that at the time and bef- I literally just clicked on the link as we're talking about it because yeah. before I clicked on the link, I was thinking to myself, well, who would we want to recast in these roles? And you mentioned Angelica Houston as the Grand High Witch. And in my mind, I was thinking, well, you know what? If I had to go modernized, Anne Hathaway would probably be a good choice. And then I clicked on the link and I see that Anne Hathaway <laughs> is actually playing the Grand High Witch. It's- Another one that I think would have been a really good choice for a reboot would have been um, Angelina Jolie. That could have worked as well. Oh, yeah. Because she also has the Maleficent yes. films. She yeah. also has yeah. that like ultra beautiful, like very statuesque, the high cheekbones, the dark hair, the big eyes. And then, you know, for her to transform into something hideous, that is something, you know, you don't often think of Angelica Houston or Angelina Jolie as being, you know, hideous, but you get to see them that way in some of these more monstrous yeah. roles. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned too, um, you know, being surprised how much you remembered mm-hmm. from the book as you watched the movie. And as somebody who's never read the book, this was my, similar to Legend when we did that a couple chapters ago. This was my first time seeing the movie in probably like 10 to 15 years, if not over that. Longer and I was, <laughs> And I was actually surprised how much of the movie yeah. I remembered having not seen it that long ago. Whereas with Legend, I didn't remember much of anything. The witches, I remembered a good yeah. majority of this movie. The only thing I didn't remember was Rowan Atkinson being a part oh of the cast. Oh my god. Oh my god, he was amazing. I forgot about that too. Yes, well, I loved him. Yeah. In that. I saw his name in the titles and I was in the opening credits and was like, holy crap, Rowan, Rowan Atkinson is in this? No way. So it was just Well, because very cool. when I was younger and I saw this for the first time, I wasn't familiar with Mr. Bean right. or anything yet. Yeah. Now yeah. that I've I've grown older and I've I've become accustomed it. to Mr. Bean and Johnny English and all those roles. Black Adder was I think the Black only Adder. thing that I had seen him in at that point. I hadn't even seen Black Adder. My parents were big into British comedy, so I had seen I had seen Blackadder and a couple other things as a, so as now a young kid. Rewatching and yeah, seeing him like, as oh part of the cast was just, it was so <laughs> great. Yeah, no, That's definitely. Awesome. I, I think for me, it's you know going through this because we actually like oddly enough 
maybe watched this about six months ago, give yep. or take. No, if that. It was right before the Iceland trip, I think. Yeah, right before we went to Iceland yeah. is when we watched it because we were kind we of were like, you know what? <laughs> we were like, hey, you know, what's this? Let's just go for it because you're like I'm gonna watch the witches. It's been a really long time, and I think uh, I had never seen it before. Oh yeah, that's right. That's uh, yeah, like I had never seen it. But before I mean, for me, it had to have been at least 15 years or so. And I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? Like this was another one of those like classic ones growing up that we used to watch all the time. Um, but it's it's amazing on how great that movie still is because yeah. it still moves at a relatively fast. Oh pace. yeah, it's very. It fast doesn't paced. waste its time ever. Like, and it starts off. You're right. Like I said, that creepy bit with the you know the painting when you're getting the backstory about what witches are, and it was fantastic. Um, so one thing that I love, and, and the pacing of it, Roald Dahl books, that was actually one of the things I really liked about them as a child, is that I was not the fastest reader. I read for content. I did not read for speed. Roald Dahl books, I could finish them so fast because of the way he paced his writing. Yeah. And he was, as you said before, he was a very dark children's author. Um, so, I mean, you're talking about... Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, The Witches, The Big Friendly Giant, where they literally are talking about eating children. And The Witches, they talk about eating and murdering yeah, children as yeah. well, too. James and the Giant Peach had some pretty dark that elements of it, too. Creepy. So a lot Even of his Fantastic books, Mr. Yeah. Fox got kind of like... Mm. Very true. Yeah, there was, there was definitely some, there's some, like, some visceral bloody elements to it, and I really feel like they held that well to the, to the movie for The Witches. So I actually, my, my brain just kind of put this weird piece together. So like the big plot thread in this film was like, they're like, okay, we're going to you uh, for... Uh, use Formula 96, or is it 86? 86, 86. 86, I think. Um, and my phone is trying to. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't rephrase that. Thank you. Um, but anyway, for some odd reason, as my phone decides to chime in on our conversation. Hey, that's all right. I recorded another podcast last week, and Alexa picked up my voice and started going off in the background. <laughs> and oh, so, that's funny. Um, but technology. You know, um, when they talk about Formula 86, I'm like, you know there was probably this plan and they're like, you know, we need to use a factory to work with sweet shops and such. What about the Wonka factory? Great. And everything goes tits up. I'm like, I guess we'll do the golden ticket contest now because we have all this chocolate prepped. So why not? Oh, uh, yeah. But you know, what's interesting too, is you mentioned, you know, how you, you guys watched this about six months ago. You know, we talked about, uh, we, we keep making the comparison back to labyrinth of legend, which we did a couple chapters ago. You know, Legend is one I rewatched after 20 years. I don't think I'll ever go back to it, if not yeah. for a long time. Labyrinth is one of those... Tisk, tisk, tisk. I know, I know. <laughs> Director's I could cut. go back to it tonight. Labyrinth <laughs> is one of those ones where I'll watch it and I'll be, okay, I got my fix for a little while. I can go a little while without having to see this. But after rewatching The Witches, this is one that I could go back to tomorrow. I could too. And rewatch again and still enjoy it just as much. I'm actually really happy it's on Plex because, again, we're coming up on Halloween season. Benflix. We call it oh, Benflix. 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 <laughs> um, is that, um, you know, with I have three young kids, and this is a good, yes. creepified, like, kind of scary, spooky movie where the kids win at the end. Yeah. So, you know, that, and then I just get to watch Angelica in that gorgeous dress. Yeah. I want that dress with that, like, cool, like, train thing that she can then turn into a cape and, like, a shawl. Like, oh, my, oh my God. God. How cool. Amazing. I need that dress. I want her face mask. Also true. Yeah. I just want to be Angelica Houston. She's basically my life goal. That's fair. It's a good Spirit life goal. animal. Yeah. But Patronus. she had, she had Patronus, like, because she had the personality and like. She has the stature. The stature. She's, yes. She and had the, presence, the stature. Yes. The presence to pull that to off. To pull off the Grand she High Witch. Because I remember in that book, like yeah. that picture of the Grand High Witch was so striking. And so when you saw her in the movie, I'm like, 
No, that yeah, was that, perfect. That, that, that math checks out. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, now, I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but in that crowd of all the witches together, there are definitely men dressed up as witches. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. Yes. In that crowd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did not notice that. Yes, there oh, yeah. are. I did Lots. notice while watching it, a few things kind of stood out to me, like that either dated the movie or just like kind of like caught my willing suspension of disbelief just a little bit. Yeah. Um, one of that was the clothing is very dated. It's oh, obviously yeah. very 1990. You're looking at, you know, his like acid wash cargo jeans, which my husband's watching it with me going, oh, I think I had those pants. And I'm like, I, I guarantee you did. Um, and then, you know, like some of the the fashions that the, the witches were wearing in their meeting and everything. Um, so some of that to me was like, it was a little dated. And then when they all removed the wigs, you could really see some of like the wrinkles in the bald caps and things like that. Oh, so yeah. like some of that stuff. Some that of that they, pokes through a little right, bit. Right, it pokes you know? through a little bit, but still in the same time, I'm like, it. the movie still is just, it holds up. So I'm willing to forgive that, you know? But I mean, like you do have like this great sequence though, is like when they first get together and have their meeting, the very first meeting when they start going through some stuff and we get to that whole point where like it's that one witch that she dust torches essentially. Yes, and it's just it's so intense to watch right? yeah. because like the way that it played, like, and you see a lot of them just kind of like giddy about like uh-huh. watching this person fry, and you're like, this is a little warped. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> well, not only that, but you get the looks of the witches at the same time. You know, you have the spots on the bald caps, you have the 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 dirty, disgusting teeth at the same time. So mm-hmm. while they're cackling, you get these horrifying looks coming yeah. from them as well. And you have the, like these flat, like that the strobe effects going off of like, yeah. the purple eyes and stuff like that, and it makes this great blend of everything. One of my favorites is actually in the very beginning where uh, Luke is in his little treehouse and that one witch approaches him and she's trying to give him the chocolate bar and trying to entice him down Mm -hmm. and like she's even still in her like beautiful form but she was so creepy. Oh she creeped the hell out of me. Like I think I was more afraid of her than I was uh, the Grand High Witch because something about her was really just Part of it had to do with like the fact that I mean it she was, was very, relentless. She was relentless, and it was a very real situation for a kid. Do you know right. what I mean? How like, many times were you told how many, of strangers don't take candy exactly. from strangers? That was and, like that mm-hmm. prime situation exactly. presented that kids but, are always warned about. But it also did a great job though, because in that same scene in the film, and I don't, I can't speak to the book because unfortunately I never read the book on this one, but it's. It also established Luke's intelligence in one scene because this is a 30-second interchange of him in a treehouse and noticing all these major pieces. It's similar in the book. Yeah. Because he's very... He's a smart kid and he listens to his grandma. Yeah. Like, really, it's... He does his best, you know. And correct me if I'm wrong, that witch is one of the council in the hotel, too. Yes, is she, she is. not? Yes, yes. she okay. shows up again. Yeah. Yeah. We like we only we don't have any I think major speaking lines from her at that point in time. It's it's just she's I, she's I, the establishing point. I think she's more noticeable when they're trying to find Luke yes. after he's been discovered, and they're trying to find him. I think that's when we start to notice her a little bit in that group right. of people. Yeah, um, I will say too the transformation sequences for both Bruno and Luke are really intense and yes. kind of mm-hmm. like they're. Again, we, we're going to use the word unsettling a lot, but there's a lot of unsettling in this movie. <laughs> Roald Dahl, in general, yeah. is very upsetting. I mean, as a young kid, it's like it's all about teaching lessons. It's all about like, okay, learn from this. It's it's very much fables. It's the don't go down yeah. this path, or you will face consequences. Yes. I mean, so you're talking about this is basically the don't take don't take candy from strangers edition. Don't take fizzy lifting drinks. Mm, you know, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I mean, there's so many aspects of that. Um, one thing that I don't love that he does a lot in his books or 
I did. I don't know. It, is he still among the living, Roald Dahl? I don't know. I'm not I, sure I, either. I don't think so. Um, there's definitely the little bit of like picking on the fat kid a lot in mm-hmm. his writings, and this holds true for Bruno as well, because Bruno's all about like wanting the cakes and the candies yeah. and the stuff, and, and the sandwiches have to have real butter on them, not margarine, because he hates margarine. Well, what's um, the quintessential scene from he, Matilda? Right, exactly. The chocolate so cake. So the chocolate scene. cake scene. So he does kind of yeah. he does a lot of like fat shaming for kids. So I mean, and there was a lot of that in especially in that day and age of like the 60s, 70s, 80s when his books were really coming to fruition. So you're looking at, you know, those aspects and of course, you know, the fat kid gets lured in by promise of what, six more candy bars, something like that, yeah. chocolate? Yeah. So, you know, but I, I like that um, he is part of how they, uh, how they turn it around and kind of give the witches their comeuppance. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roald Dahl has not been with us since the witches came out. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So really? 1990, November of 1990. Right. Wow. Sorry, away, rest yeah. in peace, Roald Dahl. But he was also 74 years old, so he, you Aww. know. He lived a full life, but that's kind of young. But yeah. Nowadays, yeah. yeah. Nowadays. Yeah. For the 90s, maybe 90s, not so maybe much. Maybe not so much, yeah. yeah. Lots have changed. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's... It's kind of feels like I feel like we all almost should have done the witches and like Willy Wonka because that's just as freaking creepy. Well, they're but, uh, well, no, really. If you go into any, any of Roald Dahl's books, yeah. they're all they all have that creepy. element. Yeah. Well, I mean, and one of the other things too is, that I noticed, and I don't know if anybody else noticed this as well, but in the scene with we mentioned with Bruno coming back to the hotel room, yeah. coming back to the conference center as the promise of the, the the six chocolate bars. There's a scene in particular that I I felt a little. I don't know, maybe I, it was something you wouldn't notice as a child, but as an adult, it, it kind of stuck out to me a little bit. The scene where Bruno is approaching the podium where she is at, where yeah. the Grand High Witch is at, and she's smelling him. She's doing these body movements that are kind of sexual. They're not really necessarily like disgusting. They're they're kind of sexual That's in nature. Just, the way she's a lot moving. of the witches in general have that like giddy excitement of like. But that but there was like, an excitement. Ah. It yeah. was a disgust from the mm-hmm. smell. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that I mean, if it was excitement, I would understand. Okay, maybe that's something they're doing a little bit there. But as a disgust doing that, I don't know. It seemed it stood out a little bit to me. It didn't that take away anything from the movie, but it was something that kind of stuck out from stuck I think out. That's to just me how she moves. Maybe yeah. might have just been <laughs> Angelica Houston because she has because she just yeah. has that sensual grace. I mean, like and, and as Jada just nods her head, I'm like yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to talk over anybody, but I was nodding my affirmation. <laughs> Uh, this is another classic case too when it comes to this doesn't happen nowadays uh, in modern uh, entertainment but you know a lot of times we get child actors who usually move on to become big stars and I believe this was his only film this was this was Luke's only film this was Bruno's only film nice so this was a, a, a case where the child actors really went nowhere after this movie, this was the only one and done. And Maybe sometimes they just wanted to have regular that's okay. Lives. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they were like, I don't want to be a part of any more witches, so I don't, I don't want to work with Angelica Houston ever I again. Mean, I, she was creepy. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, though, too, both of them, minus the voiceover work, really didn't have that many scenes in the actual film. In the grand, grand scheme of things, it was just their voices really yeah. primarily being used to voice puppets. So, yeah. I mean, like. There Aww. probably wasn't a much need for them to have to ever choose to go on to something because if they're like, oh, you know, this is fine. But like if it was like, hey, we need a kid to stand in that can be able to hold their own during yeah. a couple major scenes, which probably maybe two, three days of shooting, probably no more than that. Yeah. And then a couple days behind a microphone. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see for them to say, no, I'm good. That was fun to do. 
Yeah. One thing I will say about them as voiceover actors, their um, inflection, intonation, and emotion really came through. Yeah. A lot of the times with child actors, especially for voiceovers, things tend to fall flat. Yeah. yeah. No, it's true. Because they're reading and, you know, when you're a child performer, you're really taught to emote and react. And a lot of that is physical. And it's mm-hmm. not necessarily something that you can see. Yeah. Um, so when it, that translates to voiceover acting, you get, think of like, um, how the Charlie Brown kids, the Peanuts crew, kind of their yeah. their voiceover acting. I can fall asleep to the Charlie can, Brown yeah, specials yeah. because the voiceover acting from the kids wow, tends wow, to wow. fall a little flat. It's yeah. monotone, yeah. It's, it's very monotonous. Yeah. Um, so the fact that their their emotion and their inflection and everything all came through and mark remarkably well for them being such a young age. I think both of those kids were what, like nine, maybe ten years old. They couldn't have been any like yeah any they more had than, to, yeah they were I definitely tw- like between eight going to ten beyond twelve would be pushing it. Uh, they definitely were not over twelve. I would yeah. put yeah. them between yeah. eight to ten if I'm yeah. looking at them. Little babies, mm-hmm. indeed. Um, yeah, and it doesn't have a, a, a date of birth for either one of them. So yeah. plus these I, I little puppet you. mice were so cute. They were they were really cute so little adorable. puppet mice. I want I want a puppet mice. <laughs> I, so. I totally want a puppet mice. Yeah, I would be okay turning into a mouse if I became one of those they puppet. Mice. Actually, address that. So like they adorable. talk about that. Um, Bruno talks about it with his parents, and he's like, "No homework. I don't have to go to school, Mom. You yeah. always wanted me to lose weight. Like yeah. again, shaming the fat kid. But like they they always like they go through that, and he's like, "Here's all the reasons why it's good for me to be a mouse." Yeah. Like yeah. he was totally happy with that. As was uh, Luke. As was Luke. Yeah, mm-hmm. Both kids were actually totally like, fine with their mouse. Like, yeah, I'm a mouse which now. Is, cool. Which is honestly <laughs> why I thought it wasn't necessary to change it Agreed. at the end because it'd be different if they were like horribly scarred by it okay yeah then take it away from them well the one kid's mom Bruno's mom was a little scarred from his being from him being a mouse but but like granny was totally chill with it his parents were presented as horrible anyway and granny was gonna take both adorable mices so she was gonna have both boys and they would both get lots of affection diabetic granny that she was she was adorable Mm -hmm. I actually really liked the actress that they picked to play her too I thought she was really good do they explore more about granny in the book because they do it's implied in the movie that she's aware of witches and she's gone against them before, but they yes. never really clarify it in the movie. They do clarify it a little bit, if, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they discuss right. her as basically like a witch hunter. Like she's gone, she's been tracking the head witch and the high the high witch for decades. So they mention it in the movie a little bit. It's extrapolated more in the book, but um, it's, they're very she, much alluded to because what's that? Well, no, no, no. She um. She ran into the high, like the high witch did something to her as a kid. I think she lost well, a, well, a limb. The girl, or the little girl or, in the portrait, is supposed to be her sister. She lost a finger in the yes. She lost a finger. oh, because in the movie it's her best friend. No, it's her sister in the book. Yeah, it's what yeah. I'm saying. In the yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. it's her best friend. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, but she, so she was personally affected by it, and so ever since then, that's where her fervor for like. The witch tracking, lore, down the tracking them, knowing how to find them, how to see them, and making sure that her grandkids don't get because it's implied nasty. in the movie that there is a connection between the two because the yes. Grand High Witch does recognize her. Yes, but they never clarify. They exactly they what allude it to it, but it's definitely they yeah. go through yeah. a lot more in the book. It, it's there's a couple nods or stuff like that where they talk about the painting and like how that impacted her and you're like okay that definitely was somebody in her family and then mm. things go through a little bit and once you see the grandmother kind of have the little like um the spill in the hotel when she kind of yeah. collapses um that's where it kind of connects where you see like angelica houston's character like the grand high witch gloat a little bit uh-huh. about it and you're like oh that's how everything connects like they don't like lay it out but like you can they lay the pieces out for you okay. to put together so um so for everybody here 
it's I know like I said it it's been a while for most of us at this table to see it. Where do we fall now in today's day and age with this film? Kat, what, where would, what would you say is the, your favorite takeaways and how would you rate it? Um, I would rate it a treat because I really, really enjoyed it. I never saw it until this year and I thought it was amazing. I also loved the source material and I thought they did a fairly decent adaptation to the source material. Um, I'm actually going to be completely agreeing with you on this because this is definitely one that I would show to my kids as like, we always do, um, we always host trick-or-treat at our house with a couple other close friend families with littles because we have a great neighborhood for trick-or-treating. And usually we'll, we'll put on Halloween movies as the kids come back for them to like sort through their candy and stuff. This is definitely one that I would put on, especially now that the kids are a little bit older. Um, it's something that still will catch them, captivate them. Um, creep them out a little, but the kids still win in the end. And I don't think we even touched on the fact of how the kids win. They trick the witches into drinking their own potions. Mm -hmm. And that's freaking brilliant. And then the hotel staff kills all All of them. them. All of them. Rowan Atkinson is the true hero as he he kills the Grand High Witch. He totally is. He squashes her. The tale of Mr. Bean. (laughs) Yep. He traps her under a mug and he squashes her. The tale of the cockaliki soup. (laughs) Well, actually, this was Crest Soup. This was the Crest crest Soup. Yeah, so... Um, but yeah, this one to me would definitely be a treat. I, yeah. I feel like it really holds up. Yeah. It's a treat for me as well. I mean, like I said, you know, when it comes to revisiting old movies, I usually get my fix and then it's a while before I see them again. But this is one that I've revisited at for the first time in like 15 years. And I would very easily uh, revisit again next week because it's just, it's fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think honestly, there's, there's some definite pieces that are dated, but I think the performances across the board, the puppetry, and just the general creep factor that exists from start to finish of the film, it, it's wonderful. I, I really think it deserves that treat exactly. And it's one of those ones I would love to go back to and watch again relatively soon. Yeah. So. Um, so with that, why don't we move into our next film? And that is 1993's Hocus Pocus, uh, which is, again, the reason for the drinks that we're imbibing this evening. The drinks that are, for the most part, already gone. Mine's I gone. put a spell on you. <laughs> um, I, I want to, before you we, sure, before we jump ahead. into this, too, you, you made mention uh, at the beginning of the, the, the top of the podcast about how this is a, a favorite of everybody. There really is a lot of mixed reaction when it comes to this movie. There are, for the most part, almost everybody I know loves this movie. It's a movie. It's amazing. It's a movie that is has to be watched every Halloween. But there are people out there that have watched it and been like, I don't get the hype of this movie at all. <laughs> and critically, it did not do well. It's Good. another movie that critically did not. I think it's at like a... 30 or 40 percent critically on Rotten Tomatoes. So, what we're gauging so far is critically they suck. And (laughs) yeah, in the grand scheme of things, I don't like critics. Like, I know, like, we kind of are them, but we're not. (laughs) We're not. No. We're talking about this from enjoyment as just average, everyday people. Um, And, you know, it's, you say it all the time. It's, you make your own opinions on things. And honestly, Rotten Tomatoes, any of those things, IMDb, don't. Don't give a crap. At there, all. There's one in there's one review in particular, and I'm I'm trying to vamp a little bit so I can find it. But it was actually yeah. from Roger Ebert um, on Hocus Pocus, and it made me laugh when I read it because it's the furthest from what I feel, and I have a feeling from what all of us feel about this movie. 
Uh, yeah, 33% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, Whoa. which I think is absolutely ridiculous. The That's movie does insane. not it deserve, deserve that. No, 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 sure. not at all. <laughs> oh, um, uh, well, Gene Siskel just says one word, dreadful. Uh, and Roger Ebert, I know, gave it a bad one, too, and I don't know I don't know exactly where that one is. Regardless, but, um, yeah. old white men giving their opinions about things that no one asked them for. Oh, exactly. hey. It's not like they were really Thanks, the target guys. audience here. Yeah. Right? Right. It's like, hi, I'm 67 years old and probably either have a... This children's movie is too geared immature. towards children. <laughs> How dare it. This children's movie has children as the leads. We hate children. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. This was the this was the one that made me laugh. Hocus Pocus is harmless, but it's about as much fun as celebrating Mardi Gras under the influence of candy corn. It's a clever review, but shut up. Yeah, yeah pretty right. much. <laughs> so, and we gave them way too much credit for that at all. So let's just ignore their yeah, existence. Yeah, enough and with move the bad. Forward. Enough with the bad. Critics. Um, because in all honesty, this was one of the ones I was most excited to talk about, and I think this is one that if we did a Halloween podcast, we would be doing a serious misservice if we didn't include it. Of oh, course. absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think for most people, like knowing that we were doing the show, is like, um, when are they doing Hocus Pocus? Mm-hmm. I mean, like it's one of those ones you anticipate is going to appear, and I think there's a really good reason because regardless of just anything you do, like it's kind of like when people think of Halloween, like a lot of people are like, oh, the great pumpkin Charlie Brown and stuff like that. But Hocus Pocus is right there next to it, regardless mm-hmm. if you like any of the films, but like it's synonymous with Halloween at yeah. this point. It's become a cult classic. It is, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I think there's nothing wrong with the fact, like, you don't have to like everything that's out there, but like everyone knows it's synonymous with this holiday at this point. Like there's no changing that and it will always remain to be one. It's, it's that one movie that if uh, the same way USA gives the elf treatment, like and runs it 24 seven, if any movie, if, if there was any TV network that was going to run a movie 24 seven around Halloween, Hocus Pocus would be the one you choose. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. So let's turn it over to you guys. So Jada, Hocus Pocus, what is that movie like for you? To me, it is a slice of life from 1993 because I just, I was around 13 or so when that came out, like 12 or 13 years old. So I was kind of at the age where trick-or-treating was like, you were almost aging out of trick-or-treat a little bit. Like most townships say like, you know, 12, 13 is like kind of the limit. So that was sort of like a way to kind of cling to that childlike wonder of the holiday, but still kind of embrace the like the, you know, the kind of growing up aspect of it as well too. Because I think I was in like mm, seventh grade, I think when that movie came out. So like, you know, you had friends who'd have Halloween parties and it's like, oh, put on Hocus Pocus. So it was just like, you know, you always had like the one, the one Sanderson sister that you loved or like the one character that you really identified and everybody loved the cat. Everybody loved the cat. Um, yes. Jinx. Jinx. Binks. Oh, Binks. Binks. Yes. Thackeray. Thackeray Binks. Thackeray Binks. And everybody's like, that's a name. (laughs) That's definitely a name. Oh, Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But no, um, Kat, how about you? What's Um, your go-to? That was my go-to movie as a kid, honestly. Um... The it was funny because I saw it from a very young age, and so that imprinted on me really heavily. But also, um, Danny is the little girl in it, yeah. right? Yes. Um, she looks identical to my cousin. How my cousin did at that age, like identical. I can. So see it. I like immediately was like, oh, okay. And I mean, I loved. I always loved Halloween stuff. So and it really just celebrates that. It's this really it brings together all that like spooky costumey like chaotic nature of halloween and it just really has fun 
Well, I mean, I love the fact, though, too, that they take a place like Salem as their focal point, and they say, hey, you know, like, let's just celebrate this town. And some of that stuff is really indeed shot in Salem, which is great, which is wonderful to see. Oh, like, I didn't know that. Yeah. They, oh, that's cool. <laughs> so if you go to Salem, you can actually find the houses that they used for, like, Max and Danny's house and all these things. Mayor's like, house. Cute. Yeah, like, there's there's major focal points that they huh. use for the street shots. It's not all, like, shot, like, on a back lot or something like that. So they actually do get an opportunity to really, like, play with the town and like kind of give it a new legacy and a new lore a little bit which is neat i think it's they have a lot of fun getting the ability to do that but i mean like you know they show that town being this big party town for even the adults on halloween it's a big huge deal like they show them at this party all night uh, which is and, why none of the kids have supervision exactly <laughs> i mean like no like totally you know, well, I, we haven't had the opportunity to be in salem during halloween but like i heard it's like but that, I, everybody though. has told us that that no that's a, actually a pretty good representation of how insane this town really gets about this Makes because sense, it's though. that's yeah. like mardi gras for salem really yeah yep, pretty yep, much yep. and it's it's how we celebrate and really just kind of honor you know our our legacy and i think it's a really kind of fun avenue of like them actually getting the chance to play with that and give us a real town and play with a concept the same way that we talked about like sleepy hollow like you yeah. know a couple episodes back where you know we talk about places like that are real like terry town and sleepy hollow itself and the same way that they have reverence for the tale of you know ichabod crane and the headless horseman is the same way i'm sure that it, while it's not the same people that were alive the sanderson sisters are 100% fictional characters in the town of Salem. But for them, I'm like, hey, it's really kind of cool that they're kind of honoring us in this kind of way. So it's neat. I think it's really enjoyable that they got an opportunity to do something like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, for me, I, I find a little bit of a, a more indirect route to Hocus Pocus, and that's through the movie Ladybugs. Uh, and that's because of Vanessa Shaw, who uh, is in... Um, she plays uh, Allison, Allison yeah. in Hocus Pocus. Okay. Um, Vanessa Shaw is an actress who... She's the who, teen love interest, right? She is. Yeah. And yeah. she was only... Uh, not was. She's still alive. Uh, she's only maybe <laughs> so. a year or two older than I am now. So, of course, when I was younger, yeah. she was somebody who really struck my attention as somebody I thought, you know, I had a, a, a You totally crushed on her. Oh, absolutely. I crushed on the bully. It's so, totally okay. <laughs> Wait, you said the bully? Yeah. It's a whole nother therapy stream. Um... <laughs> So, so of I would course, assume probably not ice. No. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so. that's fair. <laughs> so seeing her pop up in another movie, even if it was about witches, was enough to get my attention to watch the movie. And after watching the movie, I, even though I watched it for my crush on Vanessa Shaw, I ended up really just absolutely adoring the movie. I mean, mm-hmm. you, how can you go wrong? I mean, we, we, have, a, we have a whole musical element with with all the witches singing I put a spell on you which when you put Bette Midler in a movie oh. you really can't not yes. sing a song at, at some point to me to bring it back to another episode where we're all together Bette Midler not singing in a movie would be like David Bowie not singing in a movie to me. Yeah, it would be you know? like David yeah. Bowie being in be... Labyrinth and not singing exactly, anything. Exactly, exactly. Yep. So, I mean, there, there's there's so much she there. Like, she to. had to have a yeah. song. She had to because she has that voice and she has that presence. Oh really it just would have been, it. It been like a crime against everything for her not to sing that. <laughs> I mean, but you put on top of that, you have two other actresses in Kathy Najimy and Sarah Jessica Parker mm-hmm. who each in their own actually have decent singing yeah. voices. Yeah. So when you have three actresses like that and you have the lead of Bette Midler, you can't not do a musical number when it comes to that. And it's one of those musical numbers that it's still to this point probably one of my favorite moments of that movie. Oh, it's entirely well done. Is here. that whole oh God, yeah. musical number yeah. is... I, I, I sing along to it. 
uh-huh. when I watch that scene. Oh, it's a fantastic sequence. Yeah. It's, it's one of the best. But, like, honestly, it's... Even just the leading band up there, so charismatic that kind of like even join in the fray with it, and it just works so wonderfully. I just the whole mm-hmm. sequence is just and awesome. the, and the fact that it plays out that everybody in the town, because as you mentioned, they're in Salem, thinks these are just people dressed up like the Winifred sisters, and they're just going along Sanderson. with it. Sanderson, why did I say? Oh, you yeah, said Winifred. Winifred. <laughs> Sorry, Sanderson sisters. I've, I had you a finished Winif- your Winifred. I finished my You're Winifred. Um, you know, it it just it plays out so well with the lore of everything. Um, so, who is everybody's favorite of the Sanderson sisters at this table? <laughs> Kat, how about you? Um, I liked Sarah. I thought she was really fun. I really <laughs> loved the song. That song was like my favorite song. It was wonderful. And she was just really goofy and weird. Yeah, she was really wonderfully bizarre. <laughs> amok, yeah. amok, amok. Uh-huh. Honestly, probably Mary was my favorite. Yes, thank like, you. I'm I right love Kathy and Jimmy. Sweet and when that came heart. out, like Kathy and Jimmy was actually a pretty big um, stand-up star. And I remember watching yeah. her stand-up mm-hmm. on like Comedy Central late nights and stuff. When I would like sneak out of my room and go like watch like late night cable without I my parents' knowledge. That. Oh no, oh, she's got some cool. really really good stand-up. Like look her up because awesome. her stuff's amazing. I mean, like between this and Sister Act, the Sister Act, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Big, those huge, were her kind of her breakout roles, like forays, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so seeing her, like, her as Mary is just like, she's adorable, she's but so creepy precious. and just like amazing at the same time. Loved it. Yeah. Mary Mary is probably my favorite. Now, don't get me wrong. This is probably the only movie that I found Sarah Jessica Parker attractive. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's the corset. Yes. Uh, but Mary, <laughs> I, I agree with yeah. you, Jada. Mary was just, she was so goofy and mm-hmm. just so... So funny. I mean, the moment when she comes out of the cabin and rides a vacuum cleaner. Yes. Is yes. Just, that was amazing. I mean, I, that's typical that to her character. So and it's just, it's so much fun to watch. Oh, yeah. So Mary's no, my favorite, too. No, for me, it's Sarah, though, as well. Like, again, yeah. it's the goofiness and just how, like, over the top she was. Like, because everybody else was, like, felt like, okay, they're kind of on a, like, they're, you're, they're, they're reasonable. Well, you understand where they're coming from. And then there's just this one that is just completely so Dumb as gone. a stump. But like, like, I still love that. Like, no love for Winifred at the table. <laughs> but you I know do what, like Winifred, she's, but honestly, she's, she's, she's so great. mean. Yeah. But, uh, like, she's know, the villain. But like, one but she's of my, a great villain. One of my favorite scenes, though, really. She's so though, mean to both of the, girl, uh, the oh, yeah. other sisters, though. I'm like, it's oh, almost oh, like it's almost like the abusive. female Three Stooges, though, if you look at it from that. Because there's a lot of slapstick element between the three of them. Absolutely. Yeah. And it really connects. But one of my favorite scenes though is when they first come back and it's Winifred around the cauldron trying to remember and you have Sarah in the background with this like <laughs> it's like dead man's toe dead man's toe like and like it's her running around dancing like she has this innocent, like idiot savant moment where she's the only one that can remember and it's Winifred like out loud like pouring through it's not this it's not this it's not this and she's just repeating it and repeating it, repeating it. but it's just so wonderful because it plays so perfectly but there, I mean, there's so many subtle moments of that as well in the movie where, I mean, even one of the ones that I didn't really pick up on until I was older is they lure the Sanderson sisters into the kiln with the, the tape of learning how to speak French. Yeah. And when they come back into the kiln and they walk out, she says, I'm looking for my book, but she says it in French. French. And then she repeats it in it's English. Like, Where's my like book? The tape. Have you seen my book? And it's, but it's like, as they're all charred and just yeah. very irate. But it's never like, but it just comes off in like the perfect comedic tone. It's so great. Yeah. I actually love some of the little things that they do just 
bringing them out of that time capsule era, you know, when they wake up mm-hmm. and then they're like, they're like walking, they emerge out of the forest, like for the first time and they see a road for the first time and they all kind of cringe back. Like <laughs> the faces, the facial expressions that they make, especially Bette Midler, because she has those like kind of accentuated lips and like the eyes oh my and gosh, stuff and the teeth. Yeah. But like the, the face that she makes when they approach the road for the first time, and I think a bus pulls up and they're like... <gasps> <laughs> when it honks oh that yeah was yes, yes that yes. was really funny well one thing i noticed with the movie too is it does um the humor style they do the thing that a lot of disney movies do for example which is they have adult jokes mm-hmm. like mixed in because when i was a kid again i watched this movie over and over again as a very young child and i didn't catch any of those things but as an adult i go back and i watch it and i'm like Oh, okay. Like they make a lot of pretty raunchy jokes mixed in there. Yeah, like, there's I a whole lot of there's I a whole lot of Sarah talking about boys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like the whole situation where they find the devil, the uh-huh. neighbor. Yes. Yeah, that whole thing <laughs> is a tart very face. Take your Clark bar and get out. Yes. But my favorite still is they have a little woman. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, there is a total creep factor to finding the devil. Yeah. In the fact that they have a brother and sister playing husband and wife on screen. Yeah, because that's Penny Marshall. Gary Marshall and Penny, Penny Marshall, Marshall are brother and sister in real life. Oh my God. Yeah. How did I never pick that up? I don't know. Oh, that's gross. Yeah, totally. I mean, they've both unfortunately passed on, but the fact that they have a brother and sister playing husband and wife on TV is kind of a little bit of creepy. But again, if you're looking into some of the lore from Salem and like witchcraft in general from that era, those were things that the like the Puritans like we're very fearful of. So like you know, the whole like devil and the, the women who oh, yeah. were like dancing around with him mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Like that was, that was hugely creepifying. So maybe they did that on purpose. Yeah, probably. Yeah, uh, they're I, like, we're going to make it weirder. Yeah. Make pretty it much. Weird. One of my favorite scenes though, too, though, is there's another really tiny little moment is like when, you know, they, they're being chased by Billy and all this stuff at this point in time before, like we know Billy's actual intentions oh, through all this, yeah. you know, it's okay. He's a good zombie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact, the, and the fact that Danny just goes right up to him afterwards is like, hi, Billy. Like, like everything She's else so doesn't cute. matter at all. He's yeah. automatically but, good. But my favorite sequence is Max going up to the cop. And it was just like, <laughs> he was like, you have to help us. The San- oh, We woke up the Sanders sisters. And he's like, did you light the black fame candle? And then he's like, come here. Are you a virgin? He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, and then it was just kind of like get out of here you know and then it was just but then I love because there's like it, that's a humorous moment but then there's the next layer of the joke punches as you see the cop walk over to his bike and his girlfriend jumps up and he's like it's really just funny this kid thought I was an actual cop Aww. and I'm like amazing <laughs> because it takes a, it takes this non-believed scene but plays it for humor and then gives you a whole new layer to the joke that makes I love that. it that much better. And they kind of bring that joke back around for the closing credits if I remember correctly don't they? Like they there's yeah. there's like a kind of like a little bit of like a raunchy-esque joke because I think the little girl Danny says mm-hmm. something. I'll have to, honestly, I wasn't, I, I didn't have the best week so I wasn't able to rewatch yeah, this yeah, one but yeah. I believe that there's a sequence at the closing credits where they bring back that joke about so-and-so being a virgin and it's the little kid asking, it's the, it's the little sister asking what that word means. No, but there is a scene yeah. with the parents when the parents are under the spell of the Sanderson sisters. There is a scene that I think Disney tried to cut and didn't cut enough <laughs> in which you can see the dad grab the cones of the mom. 
Yeah. Ooh, it's yeah, very, very yeah. quick. Yeah. It's very quick. But if you watch <laughs> close enough, you that. can see it. No, no. I just happen to notice close. it. I just happen so, to notice it. Jada, the scene that you're, what you're thinking of is it's when Thackeray gets kind of released from being oh, the curse. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. His his sister Emily is there and she's like, he's like, what took you so long? I was like, I had to wait. It was like, it's like 200 years for a virgin to light a candle. And you're like, okay, that's a pretty no, no, good, no, okay. good yeah, last yeah. line of a movie. You know? Um, so I, I don't know where else to jump into because again, this movie's just got so much like this awesomeness to it. But I think one place where I can say it's really heavily dated though, more than any other spot is definitely the bullies. You know, yes. Jada, you brought up the bullies, but the bullies very specifically, I think if anything dates this movie, it's them alone. Absolutely. Also Max. Well, Max, yeah. Because he's the, he's from California, yes. dude. Yeah. That's yeah, like and that was had, always the kid from out of town. He had the tie dye shirt and the the super relaxed West Coast vibe, like really heavily. That's that's really weird. It really is always the kid from out of town because yep. you look at Casper and they were from out of town. Yeah, we <laughs> karate kid. Yeah. yeah, the Karate yeah. Kid. He was from New Jersey. Yep. Yeah, it, that's so funny. those eighties and early nineties well, movies. It's, it was always it's the kid always from the idea of it's a fish out of water. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it's that's it, it's it's such a trope. It's it, but mm-hmm. it's it, it's a trope that allows you to get to the point where you don't have to ask too many questions about well, what's their life like, all these things. You can say, nope, this is what they are. Everybody can put themselves in a situation where they were yeah. the new kid in some way, shape, or form. Sure, and you yeah. can go, boom, everybody can connect onward with the story. There, um, there are a couple lines of dialogue that kind of stick out to me as, as kind of being a little out of place. Uh, but, I mean, they're very easy to, to go over. One in particular is... Uh, Jada, as you mentioned, when the Sanderson sisters walk out of the woods and they're, they're not familiar with a paved road, mm-hmm. but yet towards the end of the movie when they're flying next to the next to the, the, the blazer and she asks him for his driver's permit. Okay, you didn't know what a road was, was but, but you, you know, know what, what a driver's, driver's permit, permit is? is? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a little out of place, but it's, yeah. it's for the sake of a joke, so you kind of let it go. Yeah. Willing suspension of disbelief. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... Rating? Yeah, and, I guess uh, rating. I guess that's the best way to go, uh, kind of end this up. Because at this so, point, we're, we're just kind of geeking out about yeah, the movie. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really kind so of where good. we're at. So, Kat, how about you? Where, where would you? What was your final thoughts and how you rate this one? Um, It's definitely a treat. I still watch it every year around Halloween. Because I watch it multiple times a year. it's fucking amazing. It's one of those movies. I mean, I think, I mean, even um, Thackeray holds up incredibly well. The little kitty cat. Puppet kitties. puppet kitties. Puppet see, kitties. Puppet kitties and puppet mice. What we're learning here is use puppets, people. Use an actual puppet. Because the puppets will hold up. One so the two thing that they actually did, they actually the took his teeth and they made his teeth a little bit more round because really? in their early screen tests, his having like actual cat teeth, which are, you know, kind of fang-like, yes. um, did not test well with children. Really? Little known fact. Yes. I'm like, hey, funny. guess what? They're cats. Yep. <laughs> They're carnivores. Tiny little murderers. Have you seen that? Jada, your review. Um, so this movie is a total treat. This is definitely one that, um, you know, along with the witches, I think is a good one to pass along to the kids. They're out of an age that they can definitely appreciate this. There's, uh, you know, there's an adventure. There's, a, you know, amazing bad guys that are both hilarious and creepifying at the same time. And then, of course, the kids win the day at the end. So mm-hmm. this is definitely a treat. 150 million percent. I would put this right <laughs> up there with my, um, you know, Snickers and Reese's Peanut Butter Cups as, as yeah. a Halloween treat. You had me at Peanut Butter Cups. You lost me at Snickers. But that's oh, okay. Oh, oh you're a monster. Delicious. That's why. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to give, um, let's see. What do I want to give this one? I'll give it a trick. 
is what I'm doing by what? saying that because it's an absolute treat. Oh. <laughs> no, it's it's a treat. It's one of those movies that, like you, Kat, I, I watch every year. I watch multiple times a year. I can probably go, I can watch this not at Halloween and still enjoy it. Uh, and I just want to go on record and say the rumors of a sequel are falsified. They're not true. There's no talks of a sequel. That's good. Um, and and not only well. do I not want a reboot, I don't want a sequel. Let this movie stand alone by itself. It is a perfect it's, standalone. It's great the way it is. Yes. And and that's the about only it. downside is unfortunately it's probably like I said, it's gonna be great for our generation. Think it's gonna have a hard time finding an audience with a younger generation in if you if we jump ahead about like ten to fifteen years. I don't know. I Period feel like piece. There's, there's a whole lot of people our generation who are passing this movie and their love of this movie on to their kids. I hope so. I, I, I hope that's that's something that does well, consistently happen. Well, the only happen. really like, big dated parts of it are some of the language. Again, it's like some and of the, the jargon and the clothing. But those that, again, can be easily passed it. This was a movie from the 90s, so people were like that at that time. Mm-hmm. So period piece. It's I like, remember watching the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory as a kid, and that was shot in, what, like the late 60s, early 70s? Exactly. And thinking, like, what the heck are they wearing? Yep. But so, you know... There are certain things that you kind of learn to just say, ah, it was a different no, that's time. That's true. That's very yeah. true. And like I said, it's one of those ones I definitely want it to last as long as humanly possible, though, because, again, for me, also a treat. This is one of my absolute favorites, and anybody that doesn't like this movie, there's something seriously wrong with Absolutely. them. Absolutely. I know we know a couple people who don't like this movie. We're not going to mention them by name, but we oh, know no, a couple. No. He brought yes. it up, and he's on the yes. network. It's okay. Paul, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Paul, you're wrong, and you're absolutely <laughs> wrong. Which Paul? Uh, you, don't, you don't know. Yeah. Oh, he's okay. another, he's another one of the hosts on Next Level. He does. Oh. He's our friend from Canada. He does a horror podcast, he horror and he podcast. doesn't like Hocus Pocus. Maybe that's the reason why. Sad faces. So, yeah. maybe. so many. But no, it, it's such a great... It, it, it's it's an awesome family film, and I think if you grew up with it, it's hard not to thoroughly enjoy it. And even if you saw it later, it's hard not to thoroughly enjoy it still. So I think it's yeah. it's one of those classic ones. It's Honestly, it's kind of... if you, we, we say the Rankin and Bass films are like the highlight of Christmas. This is the highlight of Halloween. I yeah. think next to like Nightmare Before Christmas, I think they, they stand right next to each other as like being some of the best highlights you could have. I, I mean, you mentioned two out of the three. I mean, you mentioned Hocus Pocus, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, and Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. They're the three I think of any time I think of Halloween. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think of Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. I am not I a always, I think about I it. Do. I don't like it, but I think <laughs> I about do, because we put it on for the kids, because That's it's fair. a short and sweet little... Thing That's that they fair. can watch and then go to bed after trick or treat, but perfect, I think yeah. I you know think what? Hocus Pocus might <laughs> this is might this, take over this is this the year. best best way to kind of think of this. Uh, Halloween, you also think about candy corn, but no one likes no one candy likes corn. <laughs> <laughs> the best way to eat candy corn: open the bag, throw it in the trash, throw it in the trash, <laughs> and eat a peanut butter cup. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> All right. So uh, with that, why don't we get ready to say goodbye? And sure. We do that by right off the bat saying a big special thanks to our good friends. Sarah and Taylor and uh, the rest of the group of This Way to the Egress. You hear their music at the beginning and the end of every one of these episodes and on our drink recipe videos. Uh, Big special thanks to them. Please make sure to head over to their website. Check out their stuff. Their website is thiswaytotheegress.com. That is thiswaytotheegress, spelled E-G-R-E-S-S. Make sure to check out their projects. Check out when they're touring. In addition to, definitely head over to their Patreon throw them a couple bucks to continue following and also to be able to check out the cool scary stories to tell in the dark stuff that they're just about to release or if not actually I think it's actually out now at this point in time uh, a couple weeks in so please make sure to check that out and um, you know 
beyond that, though, too, uh, head over to, honestly, I guess, the, the Next Level website. Yeah, can I just say something real quick? Sure. Doug Jones was Billy Butcherson? Yeah. I d- had no idea. <laughs> That's why I have this look on my face while you're talking about it. I just realized Doug Jones was Billy Butcherson. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, and... Ben, do you want to take us out to where they can find more from sure. Next Level? Sure. Uh, you can check out this podcast as well as all other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network, thenextlevelnetwork.com, facebook.com slash thenextlevelnetwork. And until next week for our final Yeah, it's going to be our finale of the season. Chapter of uh, Still Afraid of the Dark. So until then, we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye.